The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Hello and thanks very much for joining me for another episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, the Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, today we're going back into the archives again and we're going back to episode 49, which came out on the 6th of October 2020. And the reason we're going back into it is that there's a lot of political news around at the moment, and it was an election special ahead of the 2020 election. I thought it would be interesting to touch base on the issues it raised, to look back and see how relevant the things we reported then were, and maybe to, to preempt some climate, sorry, some political thinking as we head into the next elections. So here are the things that we talked about. There was quite a lot about the fact that the, the, the polls and the assessments and political pundits, when they were looking at climate, they were very much saying the same story, and it came out in several different ways. We also were talking, reporting on a political comment, sorry, an economic commentator who was saying how much we had to realise how much it will cost if we don't or if we ignore the issues of climate. That was Elan Noy, and we're also reiterating a little bit of our COVID policy about go early and go hard, which was a bit of the catchphrase for COVID response and applying that to uh, to climate responses. We're jumping tracks a little bit to a very touching little uh, video clip, which we'll give a link to, called My Island Will Become Just a Story. So we'll touch base on that. So let's get into it. As, it, as I said, it's... Uh, Climate Matters number 49 from October 2020. And in the editorial bit, I said, how some things change and some should but don't. If you'd asked me two years ago, that i.e. in 2018, when Climate Matters first launched, I'd have sworn we'd never issue such a clear party endorsement as in Climate Matters 49. And I'm not a member of any political party. So why have we changed? Well, due to the staggering intransigence of most parties to advance their climate thinking, the relentless escalation of the climate crisis and the global failure to come close to meeting necessary targets. A whole lot of reasons there. We, we've actually published in there, you'll have to go on to the, uh, onto the hard copy on our, the Resilience website to find it, but we've published a couple of charts of political assessments. I don't think they're totally relevant now, but they're interesting to look at the issues they talked about and um, how clear-cut some of the responses were. 
So let's start with a golden goose lays a wonderful chance to line up New Zealand's climate ducks. That's a little bit of a mixed metaphor, isn't it? This election, i.e. the 2021, gifts us the easiest chance on the planet to get our climate ducks in a row. Duck number one, an election at a crucial convergence of COVID-19 and the climate crisis. That doesn't apply so much now. There was a lot of talk then about a COVID recovery had to also be a climate recovery. We didn't come near to achieving that. Duck number two, a robust community less pummeled by COVID than most of the world. New Zealand at that stage had come through COVID pretty well. The point was that we were better placed than most to take climate factors into account in our elections. A stellar incumbent Prime Minister in need of climate redemption. So at that stage, Jacinda Ardern was high on the ratings. She had not lived up to her climate as our nuclear free moment uh, claim. Um, but now let's think what's happened. We've now got a brand new Prime Minister for the, and for the country and the leader of the Labour Party, Chris Hipkins. So let's see where he gets to. Certainly he's a capable person but also certainly he's not saying very much about climate. Duck number four, a capable and willing Green Party partner with comprehensive credentials. I think that still sticks. Duck number five, an opposition retreating rapidly into the dim and damaging past. Well, we just have to wait and see a bit on that one. The signs are not good, but the, the signs of retreat are not so evident either. So... Um, a little bit there, but I, I suspect that just the same, we're looking at a situation where we have to be very clear how we vote if we want it to have climate weight behind it. The next item, party policies make it easy for climate savvy voters. It defies belief, I wrote then, how few parties have robust climate policies and how many have climate harmful ones. See the Aura Tayo scorecard, that was one of the the political policy scorecards that we published. However, that makes voting unbelievably simple for the many of us striving for a worthwhile future for our children and our children's children. A strong green voice in a Labour-led government is the only prudent choice. I have to say, it's starting to look a bit like that again, although I'm very hesitant to be so clear-cut about it. I want to give you a quote now, and it's from Professor Elan Noy, from Victoria University of Wellington. He's a professor in economics of disasters. And here's the quote from him. Policymakers need to understand what will happen and what it will cost if we ignore these issues, these being climate issues. We'll give a link to a short video clip that Elan has done. Um, but the, the message keeps coming through from people who've studied it. The cost of not getting it right or not taking effective action far outweighs the cost of taking effective climate action. The same message needs to get through to our local councils as well. And Nelson, as I record this, is on the brink of considering their emissions reduction strategies and so on. The next item went back into the analysis question, and the, the heading read, analysis after analysis reaches the same conclusion. There is no shortage of informed analysis of party climate policy, I wrote, and they point in a common direction. The Greens stand out on top. It's not altogether surprising that they do, but it's surprising how clear-cut it was. 
A few have half-plausible climate policies and an alarming number of parties are trying to steer us back to an obsolete and damaging past, i.e. the old business-as-usual, got-to-have-growth uh, mantras. The whole lot of links there, we won't be able to give them all to you, but there's the Oratayo scorecard, which I mentioned before, an article from Rod Orham, a piece from the Forest and Bird Youth. There was even something from my own company, Resilience. And so there was a bit there on the parliamentary scoring of the MMP system. I won't go into that now because we'll have plenty of time to look at that in the future. But it was, the important thing was to think what was needed to get the Greens, or the one you thought was the most climate responsible party, on the right side of the 5% threshold. Now, here's another quote, and it's a reference to the Project Drawdown Review I think you will have heard me talk of Project Drawdown before. It's the most remarkable and comprehensive plan for possibly reversing climate change. That's where the word drawdown comes from, to draw down the level of carbon dioxide that we're pushing out into the atmosphere. Do Google Project Drawdown if that interests you. But I will also, on the Fresh FM website, give a link to Project Drawdown's Review 2020, and here's what they say there about money. Just a short quote. The financial case for climate solutions is crystal clear, unequivocal, and uh, right to the point. I mentioned earlier the go early and go hard on climate. Policy failure is rampant, was the subtitle. As rising sea levels force relocation of the Indonesian capital, we'll give a link on that, Newsroom's Mark Dolder reports climate policy is almost entirely absent from the conversation. And a link to that. While the 25th of September Guardian Weekly in Britain headlines Great Britain's failure to invest in a green recovery is baffling and negligent. That's a green COVID recovery they're referencing there. And the United Nations reports that not one 10-year biodiversity protection target has been met. And if we translate that into the um, emissions reductions from what are known as the nationally determined contributions that are proclaimed at COP26 and 27, very recently it was reported that not one of the countries, I think about 160 countries, was on track to meet its contributions. Now we're nearly at the end here because we don't have a hot tip for you today. However, what I do want to do is I want to talk about a video clip that I will urge you to, to watch and I will put the link on the Fresh FM website. And the clip is by a young woman called Philly. And Philly is from the Pacific Islands and she won a prize for her storytelling which was headed, My Island Will Become Just a Story. It was her referring to the fact that where she came from, they are planning for it to be under the water. And that is, at the same time, Radio New Zealand reported that Tokelau, one of the small Pacific Islands, is laying a legal claim to the fishing rights once their islands have vanished. Can you imagine what that is? Think hard what that means. They are laying legal claim to fishing rights 
once their island has vanished. That's incredible. I just find it staggering even now. And so the question there is, that I pose is just how deep do national act in New Zealand first have their heads in the sand? So on that note, I just want to reflect a little bit on the, the fact that this is an election year. I'm not going to do a big rant, but I'm going to float a couple of ideas. In my view, it's absolutely critical that we get a government that has a commitment to climate action and well-informed climate action of that not just uh, greenwashing. At this point in time, unless one of the other parties comes out with a, a very big shift in policy, that is going to be the Greens again. Now, it's not totally surprising that I'm saying that, but my point is that if you want a good climate voice in government, it needs to be one with the Greens, and not only the Greens, but a Greens with enough of the initial vote to be able to put a bit of leverage onto the voice they have when they're in Parliament. Now, last time round, Labour won totally. They, they invited the Greens to join them with James Shaw as the Minister for Climate Change. That, in one sense, was a very good move, but he was outside Cabinet, and in the end, we so often felt that he was there with his hands tied behind his back. And that was really an, un, an untenable situation for him to be in, and really, I think, was the downfall of Labour's climate initiatives because they didn't give enough respect or enough power to the person who needed to call the shots. So that one thing is that it'll be very much a, a party vote issue, I would suspect. But let me just jump another track. There's been quite a lot of talk about giving votes to 16-year-olds, and there's a debate about that. And of course, they won't get a vote in this coming election, although... I think we may be going to hold a referendum, if I understand correctly. However, my point is that there's nothing to stop those of us with connections with bright, savvy 16-year-olds inviting them to use one of our votes. So, for example, if you have a candidate vote and a party vote, maybe you can start the ball rolling by inviting a young person to exercise one of those two votes on your behalf. Now, I know that feels a bit strange, but I think it's a, perhaps a way of us individually giving a little bit of a due to the, the not only the wisdom of young people, but also the fact that they're the ones that are going to have to live with all of this into the future. Okay, so that's it from me for tonight. It's an unusual sort of Climate Matters episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I have your company next week. And, of course, Kia Kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.